Your Partner in Success Radio is a free business podcast with host Denise Griffiths. It's all about great stories, conversation, and context to help you move your business and life forward with actionable tips and advice from her guest experts. To listen and subscribe, just find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you consume your podcasts. Good morning and welcome to Your Partner in Success Radio. I am your host, Denise Griffiths, and this podcast is ranked in the top 2% of the most popular podcasts globally. And I can't take credit for that. It is all because of my truly incredible guests. I feel so fortunate to spend time with people who are at the top of their game, and they are passionate about helping you achieve your goals in both your personal and professional lives. Excuse me. And my guests hold nothing back. They show up here to share the secrets of peak performance, and I know that you'll find their insights both inspiring and actionable. So sit back take notes, relax, and get ready to take your life and your business to the next level. And my guest today is Amy Wineland Daughters, and she is the author of Dear Dana. That time I went crazy and wrote all 580 of my Facebook friends a handwritten letter. When I saw this book, I went, what? I can't even imagine writing. I mean, I write thank you cards. And that's about all I can handle. When Christmas comes around, I'm like, oh, no, here we go again. <laughs> 580 handwritten letters. It's amazing. So when Amy reconnected with her old pal Dana on Facebook, she had no idea at all how it was going to change her life. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm losing my voice. It's hurricane season. My voice kind of goes with the winds, to be honest. So... Though the two women hadn't had any contact in about 30 years, it didn't take them long to catch up. And when Amy learned that Dana's son Parker was doing a second scent at St. Jude, he was battling cancer, she was suddenly inspired to begin writing the pair of weekly letters. And when Parker died, that part had me tearing up. Amy, not knowing what else to do, continued to write to Dana. And eventually Dana wrote back and the two became pen pals sharing things through the mail that they had never shared before. And the richness of that experience left Amy wondering something. If my life could be so changed by someone I considered just a Facebook friend, and we're going to talk about that, so remember, just a Facebook friend, what would happen if I wrote all of my Facebook friends a letter? So, as I said, a whopping 580 handwritten letters, letters later, Amy's life and most of her heart would never be the same again. Amy, good morning. Thank you for joining me. And I have your book in front of me as we speak. And I thank you so much for sending it to me. Well, good morning, Denise. And thank you so much for having me on. And and thank you for having my book in hand. That's a, that's a great honor. Well, I've read it. Listen, I somewhere along the the way I've been doing this for 15 years, I became known as, you know, very author friendly because I love to read. I'm a voracious reader. And in this room, in my office, I have several hundred, I think probably about 500 books in here right now. Every book in here was gifted to me by my guests. And your book, when I'm through talking with you today and after I've reviewed it on Amazon and Goodreads, it goes into my entrepreneurial library. So thank you. Well, thank you. And what an, what an honor to be counted among those books of your other guests. So thank you very much. Well, I've read every one of them. You know, That's my attitude is if you are taking the time and the energy to mail me your book that you think is so important, 
I owe it to you to read it. And some are like, oh, that's, I've got, actually, you're going to think I'm nuts. I have shelves that are like, read this one again, read this one again. I've got others that are a little dry. They're good, and they're great business books, and I do come back to them. But for inspiration, I have an entire shelf that's like, here we are, and you're going to be in that shelf. Oh, that's well amazing. And, you know, I, you know, you're in the top 2% of podcasts. And that's probably one of the reasons why I do, you know, we all do a lot of appearances in it. You know, not everyone reads the whole book or, or looks at the the book, you know, before people come on. So that's why I'm sure you're known as author friendly, because that's, it's an amazing, you know, really, it is an honor. And it's humbling to have someone have read your book and then interview you about it. So thank you. I mean, I think we both <laughs> now we're we're in, we're having our little um love fest here. Yes, <laughs> we're having our little yes our little moment. This is yeah, nice. we are we are. But I read it this past weekend. I always kind of thumb through them when they land on my doorstep, and I get a lot of books as you can imagine. So I thumb through them and I start putting sticky notes all over them, and then. A few days before I know you're going to be my guest, I sit down and I read it. So I read it this past weekend. It's grab your tissues, y'all buy the book, read it, have a hanky ready. And it's not sad, but it's just, well, parts of it are, but it's just such a terrific way to connect. And and we don't really connect these days, do we? No. And I wanted to mention, too, because I made a point of saying just a Facebook friend. Listen, Facebook has been very important to me. As you know, my whole audience knows I'm a highly committed introvert, highly committed. I'm not shy and I don't have any filters, but I don't really need to be around people very much. I live in my own head a lot. And my Facebook friends, honestly, I have met people who have become very dear friends of mine. Over the years, we exchange Christmas cards and some, we exchange Christmas gifts. My cats get Christmas cards from Facebook. <laughs> it's, you know, if you do it right and you show up, it's a great way to be. No, I, I completely agree. And, you know, I wouldn't, that's the thing people, <clears throat> you know, look at social media and there's a lot of things we can say negative about it, but I wouldn't be talking to you today. I wouldn't have written this book and lived this incredible story totally non-intentionally without, without Facebook, without social media. And it's such a great jump off, jump off point for relationships. It really is. And, you know, I've gotten to, as I said, I've gotten to meet people from all over the world, you included, that I would not meet in the parking lot of my local Walmart. It just wouldn't happen. So, you know, here we are, and I am so glad to have you here, but I don't want to, you know, keep talking about myself, which I've been doing, which is I'm annoying myself. So I want you to take over and tell people what what is the backstory of Dear Dana and why did you do this? Well, you know, I, I like to say, Denise, that I was minding my own business because I was. And I think the one of my favorite aspects of this story is it was so non-intentional on my part. And I think that's part of the magic in it. But I was doing life, you know, in 2013, probably like everyone else. Um, I was on Facebook like everyone else. And I looked up an old camp friend named Dana, who I'd known 30 years ago. 
uh, we had met for one summer, six weeks in 1986 at a camp in, in Trinity, Texas. And we were both counselors, both have huge personalities. And I'm sure we connected in that way. We both think we're very funny. But I, we didn't have a whole lot of, I mean, there were some memories I had of her, but it wasn't like she was my bestie. And, you know, then I thought about her for the next 10 years. We basically said goodbye. Uh, we resonated with each other. And then we spent 30 years doing life completely separate, as in no contact at all. But Dana, kind of her name would pop up in my head every once in a while. And I'd be like, oh, I wonder what happened to Dana. And so one day in 2013, when oh, I wonder what happened with Dana coincided with a moment I was on Facebook, I looked her up and and there she was. Um, and then like everyone else, I kind of, I, I sent her a friend quest, she accepted. And then I kind of, you know, lightly stalked her and looked into her life and got a brief window into her world. And right away, I found out she had five kids, four daughters and a son who was the youngest, who was Parker. And he was battling cancer at St. Jude. So, you know, if someone's at St. Jude in Memphis, it's probably uh, they're probably fighting for their life. So as a as a person, as a human being, that story immediately resonated with me like it would with anyone. And I kind of followed along with their journey he re, he went into remission and so kind of went off my radar. She asked for prayers. I prayed. Um, but then in 2014, he relapsed and I'm still following along with the story totally in the background. Again, we haven't had any contact. And uh, she posts and said, he's we're going back to Memphis. He's you know, the cancer's back. And uh, I had a moment uh, where, again, I was feeling for her, and I had a moment where I was like, it was like a lightning bolt, like something out of the sky. I had no control over it. I didn't think it up. I didn't think about it beforehand. It was like, you know what? I'm a writer. I'm just going to start writing them letters. And it's funny because I hadn't written anyone a letter in 30 years, 25 years when I had this thought. And I got real committed. I was like, I'm just going to start sending them letters. So I I start sending these people. who I, I've never met Parker. I hadn't seen Dana in 30 years. I just started sending weekly letters to the Ronald McDonald house. In Memphis, and I was just like, you know, I'm praying for you. I'm thinking about you. You know, my family and I are with you on your fight. I mean, saying stuff that in retrospect almost sounds nuts because she didn't, I, I don't know that she even knew who I was. And so we go about eight weeks into me writing Parker and Dana kind of awkwardly. And then, as you said in the, in the summary of the book, you know, unthinkably, and there's no good words for this, at age 15, Parker passes away. Um, so I, I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do? And I realized this, the story has nothing to do with me, this part of the narrative. So I'm like, you know what? I was like, I'll just kind of another little thunderbolt. I was like, oh, I guess I'll just keep writing her. Only I didn't know where she lived. I kind of knew she lived in South Louisiana, but I wasn't sure which town. So I kind of looked up her husband's work address. And, and that's this another crazy thing. Like, what was I thinking? But I just, it was, I, the only way I can explain it is I just, I kept doing what I knew that I had to do, and I really couldn't have stopped myself if I wanted to. And I was aware of that. So I just started sending these weekly letters <laughs> to this man's office addressed to her. And then about four months into that, she, she sent me her home address. And then just out of nowhere, she started writing me back. Dana started writing me back these handwritten letters. And so I'm writing her, and she's writing me back. And it creates this two-year relationship where we communicate completely through the mail. And this is like 2017. So this isn't happening outside of this relationship. I'm, I'm anybody I know of, and this is a true pen pal relationship, you know, and I start looking at my out life from the outside in, she shares about her grief. You know, we go pretty deep. We start trusting each other. We have no idea what the other person believes. 
you know, in, in writing, he and writing someone creates this incredible free space because I don't know when she's reading my letters or if she's even reading them. She has no idea if I'm reading anything. We don't feel like we have to respond to each other. We're sharing on a level we shouldn't. And it was so profound to me. And it was, it was really a life-changing moment. I sat back and I was like, wait a second. If this kind of rich experience can happen with this, and I love what you said, this girl who's just a Facebook friend, you know, in quotation marks, like what is going on with all these other people? And so I was like, you know what I'm going to do? And this was also nuts. And I get that. I'm going to write all these people. So I put everyone's names into a box and I started drawing names out every day and writing these people's letters. I never thought I was going to finish. And I, I don't really know that I was intending on doing everything, anything with this, like it was going to be special or magical or change people's lives or change my life. But it just blew up my entire life and turned out to be such a meaningful experience that I wrote a book about it, which I did not intend to do at all, mostly through the letter writing until the very end. You know, there's a point, and I put a sticky note in here, that you said that Dana's first letter was a milestone, your connection, but you were also, you had been using um, the Jesus Calling devotional app for your iPhone. Correct. And, you know, these things, I, I don't believe in in. Well, serendipity is one thing, but I really don't believe in coincidences. I never have. Things happen because they're meant to happen. But that being said, you need to pay attention when they're happening. Right. And I think, you know, you know I, I, I absolutely think that the Jesus, Jesus Calling devotional and, you know, fed into the narrative of how this all played out. And like, like you said, and I think that's beautiful what you said, you have to pay attention to what's happening. You know, even I feel like a lot of this was completely out of my control, even though I had to act on it. I I will take credit for that. I do like the turning point where Dana wrote me back because I think it's real easy to look at the story and be like, Oh, Amy daughters is amazing. And isn't this great. And she's been such a great friend to Dana, but you know, the truth is if Dana Rivera in her, state of grief had not written me back at some point my human nature would have compelled me to stop writing because I I think that awkward line would have crossed over the you know the line of I can't stop doing it and I would have stopped doing it but her writing me back was really the point where this whole story took off and so she always she always deserves credit for being the person I'm crazily reaching out and she's the person who would always eventually respond we never know when somebody needs just a friend or, you know, a smile. You see that a lot in memes on Facebook and here, there, and yonder, and you'll be kind. You don't know what people are going through. And it's true, you don't. And after we had our pre-interview and before the book got here, I was digging through some boxes in my, my closet here in my office looking for an old picture that my sister was looking for. And again, I don't believe in coincidences. I found a bunch of letters from my two brothers who are now deceased. One just passed away a couple of years ago. He had double lung transplanted. He lived eight years, but that last year was hell for him. And I, I sat down and I'm pretty sure I got some of them wet from tears. I didn't even know I still had them. And of course I did. I mean, I, I keep things like that that have sentimental value, but I didn't know where they were. It wouldn't occur to me to go look for them. 
And it occurred to me after talking with you and reading my brother, who could not spell my name, he would try to sneak something past me. And he always spelled my name D-E-N-I-C-E. Something would come from Amazon to D-E-N-I-C-E, but it was anonymous. And I knew it was him because he couldn't spell my name. That's hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he's a goofball. He was a goofball. But I sat when I was sitting down and, and we had, you know, I was, why don't we write letters anymore? We really don't. When I said, you know, Christmas is coming and I've got to write nice notes in those cards, we just don't do that anymore. It's something that we just, it's a muscle memory that we no longer have. Right. And that, and that, and that's why since we don't do it anymore, and I, I didn't do it at all before doing this, I, the impact, a handwritten note, and it doesn't have to be a letter. I, I, it was off the charts what the letters meant to people, you know, because at, especially at the beginning, I'm sending these letters out, you know, and no one knows they're coming. It, you know, there was a couple of addresses I asked for, and I guess they kind of kind of figured it out. But it, people were just blown away. And at the beginning of every letter, I'd be like, dear Denise, I'm writing every single one of my Facebook friends a letter, and here's why. So that was the first paragraph of every letter. So I was pretty clear that, you know, this wasn't exclusive to a certain group of friends in my life that I was reconnecting with. But so many people were like, I was chosen. I was chosen to receive this letter, even though I told them they they were chosen out of the box of 600 options and everyone was going to get a letter. But people, their reactions, I I had no idea what it would mean. And 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 I think that's because one of the elements, the lost elements of letter writing is we can very simply have this impact on people. Because if if Denise sends, if you send me a letter, Denise, I know I can connect the dots. I know what it took for you to do that. First of all, you got to find paper. You got to find a pen. You got to make the effort to sit down and do it. And electronic communication is so great and we need it and it's necessary, you know, but, but it's easier. You, I, so I know you took the effort and then you had to find an envelope and then know what else you had to do. Then you had to find yes. my address. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And then, and where I'm are your stamps anymore? Yeah. And where are your stamps? Cause no one has stamps anymore, you know, so you got to go, you got to go find that. And then on top of all that, you've got to get in your car and go find some kind of blue box or a mail situation to drop it off. And so then I go to my mailbox and here I have this thing and you talk about your brother misspelling your name. I have this thing in your handwriting in my hand. And so I'm holding something that you help, which is super intimate in a, in a beautiful way, you know, and I'm like, oh, that's Denise's handwriting from 1987, you know, or I've never seen your handwriting, which is great too. And, and, and people are like, oh my gosh, guess what? I matter to another human being. That's it. And you just distilled it all down into a very simple sentence. I matter to another human being. Right. And and listen, I, you know, I'll type up letter. I can type so fast. I have to replace keyboards twice a year. I'm not joking. But to write something, my hand cramps and I'll make a mistake and being a perfectionist. Well, hang on. I'm a recovering perfectionist. I will have to tear it up and start over. And after about the third time, I'm like, I'm not doing this. And I stomp off. So I, I cannot be alone in that. I think a lot of us are like, you know, this is hard. I don't want to do this. And we start whining. No. And, I, you know, I can, if, if my friend, at, my best friend at the time, 
uh, Mary Barr was ever on one of these appearances with me, she would tell you we sat in the Panera Bread over and over again with me whining. Oh, my God, this is changing my life, Mary, but I cannot write another letter. My hand hurts. I'm exhausted. I just want to type this all up. But again, I was being driven by a force that was beyond me because I think it's ridiculous. I wrote all those letters. But, you know, it, it, it was obviously worth all the effort. But I got so many funny responses from people. One girl, my best friend from elementary school, she said that uh, she said that her hand hurt. She'd written four sentences in this reply. And she said she had to go get aspirin, which no one's talked about since the <laughs> 70s, to put on her hand. And I thought that was hilarious. But people wanted to respond. But I, the great thing about handwriting, you can write four lines and you can knock it out of the park. You do not have to write 700 sentences. You know, this is not an assignment. You can have the same impact with just just a few just a few heartfelt words. And here's the thing. When I when I found those letters and I found letters from my siblings, most of them and my mom, obviously. And there was even a letter from my father who we were completely estranged from almost all of my life. And I went, what? Where did that come from? Right. I don't even remember it. It made so little impact on me as a, a young, I don't know, I was probably preteen at the time. But I sat down with that and I went, huh, I wonder what he was thinking. Because he didn't stick around. I mean, we just didn't know him very well. It's like, well, what the heck? Yeah, And I still don't know. He's passed now and I don't know. And I kept, you know, even if I were to ask him, he probably wouldn't tell me. But there it is. And I put it back. I did consider getting rid of it because, you know, not good memories. But right. I kept it because it it had me, honest to God, sitting on the floor, clutching my stomach, going, what the? Well, I didn't say what the heck, but you get the idea. Right. <laughs> you know? But you can save those they wind up in a box in your closet, but at some point you're going to sit down with them and go, oh, and guess what? You're right back where you were in the date. You're and, right back there. And it's a gift. You're giving someone a gift that they're especially now. And now you speed forward to 2023 and you're giving them a gift that is, is going to mean even more than it did back in the day of letter writing. You know, but you're going to go look at that C in your name that your brother wrote. You know, you're going to look at, and and that's the thing you're giving your kids, your your significant other, your cousin, your sister, your mother, whatever. You're 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 giving them a gift. And and another, you know, great example is this. We, you know, Dane and I went on this book tour when the book came out last summer. And every stop, it was like 17 stops. Every single stop, no matter where we went, someone would show up, one of the 580, with their letter in pristine condition. And over and over again, people told me, I'm going to save this letter until the day that I die. And I was not trying to have that kind of impact on anybody. That's what makes it so, like I said, magical for me. But we have the we have the potential to do that. And you know, you could do that in a in a business setting, you know, as a thank you note. You can do that in a personal setting, you know, with a relationship. It's just a power we have in our toolbox. You know, it is a power tool. It is not a you know, it is not a screwdriver that we're talking about. We got a big drill. I don't know a lot about power tools, but I'm thinking it's big, like whatever the big saw is. That's what this is. Go saw. I do know about tools because, you know, I grew up in a family of a whole bunch of kids. I was the oldest and we were always breaking things oh. <laughs> and we always had to fix them before mom got home. So we knew about tools. That's beautiful. Yeah. I remember one time my sister, I think it was my sister, kicked a hole in a door and, you know, 
hollow core doors. It was a bedroom door, and she was having a hissy fit and kicked a door in it. And it happened to be my bedroom door that she kicked the hole in. So I very calmly went out to the garage, got my tools, and I swapped my broken door onto her door and told her to have a nice day. <laughs> I mean, I meant it. <laughs> so yeah. She got the hole. Oh, that's rich. We were an interesting family. So... <laughs> And that's all I'm going to say about. So, but what we're talking about here, and I think it's so important that that we look right now, we've got AI, we've got email, we've got so many ways to connect, so many ways. And some of them are perfectly appropriate. Some, eh, not so much, but we almost can't avoid connecting with other people if we're on social media, if they have our text number, which I do not give out, by the way. And you know, it's just, we can be reached. I mean, there's, I won't give out my cell phone number because that's like my last place where nobody can talk to me. Leave me alone. No, no, no. I've got six, maybe seven people who have that number. That's it. And I'm not giving it out, but I do want to hear from, you know, people like you and people who have been on my podcast and people that I do follow and really find remarkable individuals on social media. And what you're doing with the handwritten letters is just another way to connect. I think it's an excellent way to connect. Right. It, Yeah. I mean, it is, it is next level. And I agree with you about, you know, it's the electronic communication, instantaneous instantaneous communication is so necessary and valuable, you know, but, but, you know, doing a handwritten letter, especially now is next level. And it's and the other thing I like what you said earlier is that, you know, it shows our, our vulnerability and our humanness. Um, because one thing electronic com- communication does and social media does is we can correct everything and we can filter it. And there's a red squiggly line if we misspell something and, you know, we don't have to cross it out. I mean, there's no liquid paper like a typewriter, which I like typewriters as well because I like all old school communication. But there's something beautiful about knowing another human being is not perfect and allowing ourselves not to be perfect because I'm, I'm a struggling perfectionist as well. You know, I, I, I want to forget over that. It doesn't go away. No. I say, no, I'm, I'm all better now. I'm not. Nope. No, and it, no, I wanted, I wanted, when I send something out, I want it to be, that's one thing about the 600 letters that was really good for me because, you know, you get to a point where you're like, ah, oh, you know, I just got to get through the letters. And so there's cross outs and misspellings and I'm a terrible speller, you know, and my handwriting is not great, but, but to show that bold, because when we show each other that we're human, that's very comforting, obviously, you know, because it's like, oh, I'm not alone. I'm not doing this right. Like I don't have this all figured out. And 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 that's another element of a letter that I I didn't expect. And I also like that you don't feel the need. Dana and I still write to each other. Like we don't have to respond. There's no there's no real rush to respond. And so it's non intrusive. You know, it's just an it, it. And that's like a birthday card's great with seven sentences in it because nobody feels like they have to respond to a birthday card. That doesn't you know that doesn't that's never asked for a reply. And that's, that's so powerful when people be like, you just love me and you don't really want anything back from me. And you said that before, and I, I made a note because it is so important. You know, when I get a text message, I almost feel I'll look at it and go, do, do I need to respond to this right now? Right. Sometimes I just can't. And I'll say, I'll get back with you. Right. You do feel that urge to go, oh, God, you know, it landed here. They need to talk with ah, And you just feel this pull 
to immediately respond, which, by the way, is not healthy. Sometimes you respond in a way that's maybe not appropriate or, you know, you're in a bad mood and you may come across as being kind of cranky when you're, you know, you're not naming it at that person, but you can't nuance in text messages or even emails. A letter, you can nuance all day long because you're speaking from the heart. Right. And and you, you know, and I, and you absolutely do. And then you consider that person you know, you're taking the time to do it as much as it makes them feel like they matter. You know, you realize how they matter to you. Because a lot of people ask me, like, so what did you say in the letters other than you're writing all your Facebook friends? And the great thing is I had, you know, if you're going to write somebody a letter, you know, on, we can all relate to let's look at our let's mentalize our list of Facebook friends. You know, what are you going to say to these people? You know, but the first thing you're going to do is you're going to go look at their profile page and and that was such a valuable experience for me because it was like, wait a second, I assumed so many things about people that that weren't right, not because I had bad intentions, but because I had filed them away wrong in my head somewhere. Oh, I didn't go to high school with that person. I went to blah, blah, blah. All right. You know, and then on top of that, I'd be like, oh, my gosh, these are some amazing people that have accomplished some amazing things, you know, or their foster parents or their missionaries or they're the vice president of everything or they're they went to Princeton or they played college volleyball whatever and so you put that that you add value to that person by trying to figure out who they are and they're like oh my gosh that's the person who was with me when my grandmother died or that's the person who I ate lunch with every day in junior high school and we actually survived all that you know that is hard for all of us growing up together and so when you sit down with the pin in your hand you're like, wait a second, I've got lots to say. And I didn't even know it. You end, I ended up thanking people. I ended up telling people I cared about them. I apologized to people. I, you know, congratulated people. And I also, uh, you know, told them I was supporting them about struggles that I had no idea they were having, health issues or whatever. And it was, it, it was individualizing each of these people. And then the best thing that came out of the whole deal was this process over and over and over and over again, 600 times or 580. It's like all of a sudden, all that stuff that separates us, politics and religion and, you know, whatever, it, it, it still mattered. Like I knew this person believed this and I believe that. And I knew there was differences between each of us. Those differences just started to melt away. Yes, they still mattered. But because what became important in each of these letters and the exchange between me and the other person was like, we're connected for a reason, guys. And this is a valuable person with a messy, beautiful, screwed up, awesome life, just like me. And that's more important than all the other stuff that separates us. Are we still on? Sorry, I had muted you and I was just chatting away. Oh. <laughs> I had important stuff to say too. I was, like, I was like, wow, I talk too much. Like I went off my limit. No, <laughs> no, it was me. Um, I muted because I needed to cough and then I forgot to unmute. But oh. you know what you said is just so important. I mean, it really is because we, we just, we need to find ways to go back into the past and look at where we were. Look, I, you know, I keep day books. I've kept them day minders. I've kept them for years. 
And when I was digging in these boxes, looking for that picture, which my sister's going to hear this and say, uh, where is it? I don't know. I haven't found it yet. So sorry, <laughs> but I'll find it. <laughs> but I, I found all my day minders. I mean, stacks of them. One box is just nothing but day minders. And, you know, when you're talking about, you know, you can just write a sentence or two or three. I would open up, oh, I don't know, 1999. I don't even know what year. And I knew I could read a sentence or two and I was right back where I was like, I remember that without those sentences, without those notations, I wouldn't remember any of it. That's really good, Denise. I like that because I like the fact that I'm really going to have to think about that because you're looking at your own handwriting. It's almost like your handwritten letter to yourself. And that's what a a diary or a day, like you said, you know, a a memo per day or whatever. That's very, that's a very powerful thing you just said, I think. Well, and I wasn't doing it deliberately, but, you know, I'm an A-type personality. I need to keep things in line. And I'm covering perfectionists. I figure if I say that another hundred times, it might come true. It's not going to, it ain't going to happen as we say, it ain't happening, hun. but you know, you got to try. But I looked at these things and I still have one on my desk right now. I still use them. And I was like, oh, geez. And I spent the day on the floor with my dog and, you know, cats trying to get into these letters. And, you know, I was, no, 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 stop. I have one cat. He's a giant ginger and he's a hashtag on Facebook. He's the one that gets Christmas cards. Oh. He is hashtag Hamilton is an ass. He was fascinated. He wanted to know what was in those letters. And honest to goodness, I live alone. Yeah, you know, I'm always the smartest person in the room, by the way, because I can say that because I live alone, but I was reading a lot of them out loud and I would sit and and hear my voice and read the the words and go, Oh, I'll be darned. I had completely forgotten about that. Completely forgotten. So, you know, you don't want to lose parts of your life and by not having your written word or other people's written words in a box or a drawer, you're going to lose a lot of that. Right. Right. And it, and it goes back to, you know, we can all, we have the ability to fill someone else's drawer. You know, we have an ability to have someone put something special in a box. We have that capability right now today, you know, and I, if you would have told me four years ago that I was going to be (laughs) a woman on a quest to ask people to write letters, I would have told you you were nuts. And I would have asked what that was all about. And, uh, now I now I now this experience has taught me that we we just have this incredible power where we can connect with people, you know, in a way that's not done anymore. And we can literally we can literally change things, in my opinion, in a very small, subtle way. But we can we can change the course of where we're going. I don't know that it's all that small. I'd have to argue with you about that. Reading all of these things and, you know, I've got more boxes you know, I'm a pack rat on top of everything else. My house looks wonderful. You come in, you'd never, ever know that I'm scared to death in my attic. I keep waiting for it to crush me. <laughs> it's got so much stuff up there. One day I'm going to get it all pulled down and look at it. But, you know, I've got stuff everywhere hidden. And that's the problem. It's all hidden. I wanted to talk with you about letter 100 because you said it marked a major milestone in your project. And you had written, this just floored me, you had written 100 letters in 181 days for an average of half a letter per day. Right. 
Right. Yeah. I'm a numbers girl. And so I, my whole thing at the beginning, you know, I, I'm, I, I try to be very, I don't know if it's, I'm, I, I, you know, set up the rules, like here's how the letter writing project is going to work, even though I thought it was never really going to be a real thing. And so my goal was to write, you know, I think it was two letters a day or one letter a day. So I kept taking track of like how many letters a day I was actually writing. So that was way below the goal of what I, what I thought I would do a hundred and 180 days. So. What happened with that one? Because you, you said the recipient of letter number 100 was a guy that you had worked with during your time as a purchasing agent in the adult beverage industry. And you wrote him, looks like I read it. It's a page and a half. I mean, it's, or two pages. And then you you said he responded with a handwritten two page letter. Two weeks later. Yeah, two weeks later, and he, you know, lived out on the West Coast, and, you know, he, uh, you know, he wrote me a letter like we were, it's like we were in college in the 80s, and I, you know, we were updating each other on our lives, even though, you know, we had worked together, and I kind of knew what he was doing because of Facebook, and he kind of knew what I was doing because of Facebook, but his letter was beautiful because he basically just, like, here's what my kids do, here's what I do, here's the industry I work in, and it was beautiful, too, because I believe he's one of the people who, who showed his kids the letter because they'd never seen one before, and what? Uh, it, 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 I had a lot of, you know, I have a son who is, I have a child who's um, 26. So when he was, when I was doing this project, he was in late high school, early college. And so I wrote a lot of his friends because I was connected to them on Facebook. And I think that was the first letter all of those kids had gotten from anyone ever. That's just sad. Mm -hmm. That is, that's heartbreaking. It really is. But what it meant to them, but yeah, yeah. And what it meant to them and letter 100 was a great, um, you know, and it was a, it was a milestone in the project because, and I say this in the book too, when I got to letter 100, I hadn't really told Dana about the, about the Facebook letters because the way I look at it, you know, when I went to write this book, everybody's like, well, is it two books? Like the book people were like, do you think it's two books? And I'm like, like the Dana part and the Facebook letter part. And I was like, no, because without Dana, without Dana and I's reconnection, without Parker, you know, to me, a lot of it comes back to Parker, um, you know, without Parker, we, you know, I would have not ever written one letter to Dana. And without that Dana and I's profound pen pal relationship, which is ongoing, FII, we still write each other. You know, I would have never written Facebook letter number one, nor Facebook letter number 580. So I didn't tell Dana about the Facebook letter project until I kind of alluded to it in some of our letters until I got to letter 100. Cause then I felt like it was legit. Then I was like, I didn't want to tell this woman who was grieving for her son that, you know, our relationship had, you know, caused this, you know, whole other project until I was sure I could legitimately carry at least half of it off. And so that's when I told her. And I love that part of the story because I wrote her a letter. We still had no electronic communication at the time. So I wrote her a letter and told her about these letters. And immediately I knew that's one of the few letters I knew when she read it because immediately two of her daughters friended me on Facebook waiting for their their letter, which I love. And that's kind of where the two projects intersected. It was when I started writing her people. They were waiting for their letter. 
I got that from a lot of people. You know, they were a lot of people once they found out because I tried to keep it under wraps as much as I could because the the whole element of surprise. I really liked that part of it. That was very gratifying for me. But I yeah, but they then they friended me. I knew why they friended me. You know, they were waiting for their letter. So I ended up writing all four of Dana's daughters and, uh, you know, a few of her friends, because that was kind of the beginning of our relationship. That's an amazing story. It really is. So when you decided to go ahead and write the book, is this something that you discussed with Dana or was it something that just you had to do it? What's the story there? Well, by the, you know, by the time I got to the end of the letter writing, you know, of the Facebook letters, Dana and I had reunited in person. That's in the book. That's one of the, my favorite parts of the book, you know, because we, basically you know we came out of our mailboxes and saw each other you know which was and we ended up being you know bffs we're like almost like i feel like we're kind of like sisters now which is an amazing result of the story but i i was about i guess three quarters through the letter the facebook letter writing when i was like maybe i'll write a book about it because the story is so powerful and i knew that there was so much hope in it that i was like i've been entrusted with the story i need to share it And so I told Dana about that at the beginning. So she knew from the very beginning that I considered writing a book about it. The day after I wrote letter 580, I sat down and wrote what became like the first three or four chapters of the book. And I communicated with her throughout that I was going to write a book about it. And I was going to take, you know, the pen palling between me and Dana. And then I was going to weave the letters somehow into the narrative of this, you know, supposed book but you know as you know with a book you don't really know what's going to happen if you're no. ever going to you write it or, or you write it or read it you don't yeah. know I mean, you can get to the end and go well I didn't see that coming right exactly so I didn't know what I was going to do with it but I I was Dana and her husband Jim they were a part of the discussion about the book from the very beginning and so I eventually finished it and, and again I talked to we end up talking on the phone a lot we wrote letters about the book Um, but then once I had that first draft where I was like, where I had the manuscript in shape where I was going to try to, to do something with it. And I knew it was pretty much like, this is going to be the format of the book. And this is, you know, as close as it's going to look before I'm going to try to, you know, get it published. And so then before my husband read it, before my kids read it, before anyone read it, I, I gave it to Jim and Dana. And I was really, one of the things I've struggled with, and I think this is very understandable, is that, you know, here I'm going to go tell the story of their precious son and them losing him, because that's a, you know, that's a big component of the story. Um, And then I'm going to go try to sell a book about it. And so I was very, you know, as a human being, and this girl's my friend, my pen pal, we have this incredible connection. And, you know, I knew reading this book was going to hurt her. I mean, it really was. I mean, I knew it was going to be painful, even though, I think Jim and Dana both believe that all this good stuff, the letter writing, everything that came out of it is a credit to Parker and part of his legacy. And I have to be careful because it's not really my place to say any of that. Um, That's their story, not mine. But, you know, so I send them the manuscript and I literally, you know, for days I sat and, oh, you know, I shouldn't have done it. I shouldn't have written the letter. I mean, I shouldn't have written the book. I shouldn't. This was a bridge too far for them because I really care about these people. They're, they're my people now. And, uh, I gave her a red pen with the, with the thing. And she was the first one to read it. He read it second. They gave it back to me. They were like, Amy, don't change a thing. Don't change one thing. And I'm, I'm not a crier. It makes me want to cry. They were like, Listen, I, I think I just wiped my tears on my cat. <laughs> and they were like, let, 
Let's go share this story with the whole world. And that's what we've done. And we've done it together. We've done every part of it. We've appeared in a lot of things together. We've done the book tour together. We've done it all together. And what a credit to the strength and courage of, of these people. And, you know, everyone whose words were included in this book, I had to have them sign a waiver, even if they were unidentified. That was part of the whole deal with the publisher. And uh, that was a whole nother, you know, process in itself. And, um, and I had 100% participation, which is amazing, too. But Dana wanted to be the last person to sign her waiver in true Dana fashion. And, you know, that moment where she signed the waiver said, use my words, because when you read the book, you know, her words are tough. I think that's, you know, her sharing and her, she's it's, it's a terribly courageous thing. I think her signing that waiver was one of the most courageous things I've seen anyone do because, you know, she was like, I'm going to share these words about grief and this this story of my family's life with the whole world for the for the better good. And, and what a what a courageous statement about who Dana is. And, you know, and to be honest, before it came out, we all got cold feet, you know, especially Dana. But again, she, she, uh, you know, she's a brave girl and she just, she just jumped into it with me and has done everything to promote the story and support it that she possibly can. And I started to ask you this and it's probably a bit late now, but I really caught myself wondering if we could get her to come on the show and tell her story. And, and we, we could, and I mean, that's still a possibility. I'm not saying you should book me again, but if, if you want to, if you want to book a, a second thing and, and Dana and I will, we'll come on it together. I do want to book a second one. I think this is a very important story. I think it is, it, it is her story. And, you know, I'm really impressed with your sensitivity about how you handled it. A lot of people would have said, well, I'm going to you know, publish it come hell or high water. But you look, I'm, I'm sitting here grabbing my tummy and I forgot to bring my Tums bottle with me because I knew this was going to be a stomach turner. But I did catch myself saying, you know, at some point, I really would like to have Dana come on the show and share if she can, if she will the story with you because I think it's so important as I shared with you in you know the the pre-interview I lost I'm the oldest of several kids there's five and then four my mother married a a man with four kids and of the original five there are only two of us left I have a sibling left one I know and we're all way too young for this but you know stuff happens and my brother passed away about a year and a half, two years ago. And, you know, from that double lung transplant, his quality of life was really bad. And I remember sharing with you that he had decided to go off dialysis, which is suicide in a way. But he just, he was not going to put his family through what he was going through. He was wretched. And he called me that morning and he said, I'm sorry, he texted me that morning because Wednesday was a dialysis day for him. He said, I didn't go to dialysis. And I knew, I knew what that meant. We had all talked about it. None of us were going to argue with him. It was his life. It was his death. He needed to do what he needed to do. And I called him that night and I said, listen, can we record this? Because I'm pretty sure you won't be able to talk to me after this and he said sure and and I did and we said thank you and we said goodbye and we said we apologize because siblings need to apologize regularly amen yeah. <laughs> yeah regularly sometimes twice a day and the next day 
I texted and, you know, there was no response. And I called my niece who was there the whole time with him. And I said, is he able to talk? She said, no, not really. So I would send audio text messages to him. And my my sister-in-law and my niece would read them to him. They would hold it up to his ear. And he was pretty well out of it. You know, when you go off a of dialysis, it's it's a quick passing. It's just a matter of days. And and they said the first couple of days, you know, he could hear it. And he would kind of react like a smile the, the final day. There was no reaction. But I had to do it. Kind of like with your letter writing, I had to do it. Right. Someone was, else took over. Yeah. 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 So, listen, I would love to have Dana and her husband, all three of you, are welcome to come back and we can talk about this story because we all have these things in our in our history and we don't really know how to cope with grief. And what you have done with these letters, I think, is phenomenal. Well, I I appreciate that. And, you know, and I'm so, you know, the story of your, I mean, I'm tearing up again. I don't believe in crying. The story of your your brother, you know, and how powerful that is, though, that you have that recording that's very touching and intentional in a way that I think is that's a story worth sharing because I think it kind of gives a guidebook to other people. Like you said, these are experiences that these are human experiences, but um, I think sharing that is, is super, super powerful. But, but I think, you know, I think having Dana and, and we haven't done one with Jim, but that would be awesome. She is, she's an amazing person. I do believe the story is best told with, both of us and you know we would be completely up for that i know i can speak for her so i'm not trying to put you on on the spot it's just i should have asked you this already but i really would love to have both of you or all three of you on the show at some point great yeah we're we're up for it yeah okay (laughs) good and see i did it on the radio you can't tell me no it's very tricky (laughs) So. <laughs> yeah, that's like it's like contractual now, right? Yeah, binding yeah. <laughs> like back out. That's exactly right. But listen, and oh, we're going to run out of time in just a little bit. But when I don't know if I read this in the book or if I saw this on your Facebook page, but you actually had some letters, and I've had you know thank you cards that had the same fate. Cats would knock them down underneath the desk, or they just yeah. You know, I found some not too long ago when I was sitting on the floor going the heck is that underneath my desk it was thank you cards that i'd written two years ago oh wow stamps on them but they weren't gone they were still here and you had something very similar happen with your letter writing right yeah and this just happened last week i had a a friend from the same camp a a, a guy friend who I had written because my process was I would write the letter before I had the person's address because it that's that made it where everyone got a letter whether I you know I couldn't get out of it that way because I was looking for ways to get out of it like I said because I was I was I was pretty much done and so I wrote his letter I asked for his address I didn't get I couldn't stalk him and find him so I probably had seven letters were, that never got mailed. And then I did have a couple of letters, like you said, who got caught under a couch or something, but we moved. And so those letters got mailed. And so, but I had these seven or eight letters that never, I never had an address for. Well, this guy contacted me last week or week before last and said, I just read this article about Dear Dana. He said, I started thinking I've been Facebook friends with you for what, eight years. Um, and I, I don't think I ever got a letter. He said, I'm not complaining. He said, I'm just asking because I thought it was, I said, no, no, let me look. And so I went back and I was like, oh, you were number 189. Um, I said, but I never mailed your letter. And I said, I think I can find it. And so I have 
all these boxes because I saved everything from this project. So I, like you, I go in my office in my pack rat situation. I pull it out and I find the file. I have to look through all these files to find the, the file with these seven untouched, unfolded letters. And I'm like, I have it. I'll mail it to you. And he's like, I, and I calculated it was like 2,683 days late or whatever it was. And he was like, and he's like, I am excited to receive this antique, which I thought was a great response on Facebook, <laughs> Facebook Messenger. So I got so excited. I, I, because in the, my process was I would make a copy of every letter because I realized when I'd written Dana for so long that I wasn't going to remember anything I said. And with all these people and all these letters, I wanted to be able to remember what I said. I did. I wasn't going to write a book about it. I just wanted to remember what I said to them because that was an important part, my part of the communication. I need to uphold that part. So I made a copy and I filed his letter in the sent. It was very satisfying in the sent uh, box uh, among all the other letters and. Uh, you know, and then I checked that off my box and I put a wax seal on the back of it. I've made it real fancy because I had mailed a letter, a Facebook letter in five years, and, you know, until I mailed that one last week. And what it was a great story because there was a lot of closure. And I'm sure for him as well. Um, and I'm sure he's received it. It's funny you ask because I thought about him this morning. I was like, ah, oh, I wondered if he got the letter. And that's a great another great thing about letter writing. You don't know what happened next, but the ripples can be so amazing. It can be like a tidal wave, I think. They can't. Listen, I've got a Christmas card. You know, I don't know why I'm thinking about Christmas. Oh, I know. Today's September. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's time for everything spice. You know, right. spice. So I'm getting ready for the holidays in my head. Right. I Hurricane Alley. I mean, we're in hurricane season, but I'm ready for September and October and November. But I got a, a Christmas card the other day that had been in route for about two and a half years. And I went, oh, you have got to be kidding me. And I called my friend and he said, what do you mean? It just got there. I said, yeah, just got here. And I took a picture and sent it to him. He said, huh, what he said. Well, he didn't say, huh. He said, well, those bastards is what he said. <laughs> so, and I kind of agree with him. So, but he, it finally showed up and it was so sweet. I was like, well, I got the one from last year. And I did kind of wonder if you didn't love me no more, you know, when the other one didn't show up, but here it is. Well, what a sweet surprise though. I mean, that's, I mean, you know, and over and over again in my letters, people would say like one of the common threads and replies was, oh, the timing was perfect. And again, I think this is, a hot, you know, to me, that's God, but everybody can frame that however they want to. Right. I'm the girl over here pulling names out of boxes, but the timing, but that's the thing. You don't know how the timing's going to work out. And maybe you got that Christmas card. Like you said, there's no coincidence. You got it when you were supposed to get it. And, but you release that into the universe when you stick something in a blue box and you count on like a hundred people to get it to the next place. No, no telling what's going to happen. And Dana and I have letters all the time that we get six weeks late. I kind of like that though. You know, it's kind of like a time capsule. Yeah, you just never know what's going to show up. Listen, I very rarely go check my mailbox because it's junk. It's all junk. And, you know, I'll grab it and dump it all in the trash right away. I'll rifle through it to see if there's actually a real envelope. There almost never is. But this one showed up and it was red and I went, okay, that's weird. Yeah. Why is there a red envelope showing up? But it was a Christmas card. And I went, aww. So sweet. And it didn't just made your whole day. Yeah. did and you know just talking about it now I'm like oh that's still so sweet but listen we are out of time so Amy thank you for being with me and sharing such an important story where can people find you well, they can find me on 
I, my website is amydaughters.com and that's got links to, you know, my socials, Instagram. I have a Facebook author page, Amy Wineland Daughters author. Um, but yeah, it's all right there on amydaughters.com. Um, all my info and that, uh, there's a link to email me there. You know, I like to hear from people, um, love to interact with, with folks electronically. <laughs> you know, we talked about handwritten letters, but I'd, I'd love to hear for, from anybody who wants to discuss any of this. Wonderful. Well, listen, I mean, I have really enjoyed this. I'm still clutching my stomach, just so you know. I don't know why, but it's been an emotional conversation. And, you know, sometimes that's what it takes. And sometimes that's where it's going to go. And I do thank you for sending me your book. It's an amazing book. I am going to um, write my reviews. You know, you said you have this system where you write so many letters. I have to write two book reviews a day or I can't go to sleep. That's just all there is to it. I'll get in bed and go, okay, I'm like, oh, oh, and back I go to my office and write those reviews because I didn't do it. I can't. Oh, that's can't that's a great. Done. That, and what a gift to authors because, you know, reviews are kind of, you know, currency and, um, you know, and, and to take, to, for people to take the time to write of you, I, I know I can speak from my own experience. You know, that's a, that's a big deal. So you are, that's a gift to, you're giving a gift to people by doing that the gift was given to me it landed on my doorstep so i'm returning the gift so listen, before we wrap up today's episode to our audience i'm speaking with you now if you have enjoyed today's episode and found our insights helpful just please leave a review and a rating on itunes your feedback does help me improve and reach more people on their own success journeys so don't forget to hit that subscribe button leave a review and share your partner in success radio with your friends and your colleagues And be sure to connect with Amy. Get the book. Seriously, get this book. Give it away for Christmas gifts. If you're thinking about Christmas, stocking stuffers, grab this. So anyway, thank you for tuning in, and we will catch you on the next one. Amy, again, thank you so much. It has been delightful speaking with you. Well, thank you, Denise. It's been an honor to be on your on your podcast. And I really appreciate you helping, you know, Dana and I share this story. Thank you. Thank you. Tell her I can't wait to meet her. Great. I will tell her. Get your voice heard. If you would like to launch your own far-reaching podcast, contact Denise Griffiths at yourofficeontheweb.com and go to the podcast tab.